Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Nick-ish. This is Faiz. Um, uh, if you guys haven't noticed already, Mo will not be joining us today. It's going to be me uh, leading the pod with uh, our guys Sid and Kunal. But uh, before we get into thoughts on the last three games to end the season and in general, just thoughts on the uh, the end of uh, the Knicks 2022-2023 regular season, um, I just want to turn your guys' attention to the Nick uh, Nickish website where you guys can get some merch for the upcoming playoffs. Uh, make sure you guys grab something so you guys don't feel uh, underrepresented at Madison Square Garden when you're watching the game or even watching the game with friends. So head on over to nick-ish.com to uh, cop something today. Uh, I'm going to hand the mic over to my guy, Sid. Sid, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm good, man. Um, It's what, Easter Sunday? Yes, sir. Do, y'all, do, do y'all celebrate Easter? Uh Nah, nah, I personally don't. But oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I'm not I was there for the snow bunnies. I mean, uh, what? Oh, <laughs> what? It's still Ramadan. I thought, I thought it was Ramadan. Yeah. But say the sun is still up, brother. No. Listen, I, I'm gonna make some jokes for the content, man. We have to, right? Of course, of course. But um, yeah, it's just you know, it's, it's been cool. Canal, how how you feeling, brother? Welcome to the pod. Um, this is your first time filling in, I think. Yeah. Thank you for that intro. This this is my first time. Um, you know, I usually do the behind the scenes stuff, the Twitter stuff, uh, brainstorming with the guys. So coming in for Mo today. Um, excited, man. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so like we said, we were talking about uh, the last three games of the season. Um, Mo, how you feeling? How you feeling about the last three games of the season? Man. I know I'm representing Mo today, but you don't got to straight up just call me, Mo, man. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I'm, messing with you, I'm looking at the names. Oh, my God. I know. I know. I swear when I were coming into the, the lobby, I knew that was going to be an issue because I was like, fuck, I'm Mo today. So if, yeah. someone today is going to call me Mo. Oh, yeah. Man, so cool. Good. It happened. My I, listen, I, called, I called Mo Faiz the other day, so shit happened. This, this happens all the time with us. Like you, you put three brown guys in a room and all of a sudden we're all just switching names. <laughs> but um, I mean... You know, the last three games of the season, we didn't really get to see. Uh, I, I'm glad that uh, Tom Thibodeau made the decision to sit out Jalen Brunson to let uh, uh, Randall continue to get his rest. We knew that he was going to get reevaluated post play in anyway, or right before the play in anyway. So um, I'm glad that they also took the executive decision to uh, sit down Mitchell Robinson, sit down um, Jalen Brunson, because uh, they have much bigger pictures, especially because I believe uh, one of the Nets losses right after the Pacers win we had uh, led to the Knicks confirming that four or five matchup against the Cavs. So didn't see any point of um, uh, playing playing some key pivotal guys. But, you know, it sucks to go one and two, especially against uh, the Pacers and the Pelicans. But, you know, the Pelicans game, you can't really, like, be too upset about because the Pelicans at the end of the day are fighting to make that play-in spot and, you know, prove themselves. So uh, them beating a team of Knicks without three starters, you know, I'm not going to be too uh, too upset. But uh, I, I don't know if you guys want to talk about the 30-point the performances from Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, Quentin Grimes, man. That's what Knicks fans have been begging for for so long, right? That's what Knicks fans have been saying that could happen if Tibbs would play these guys more minutes. And uh, we got a little taste of it. How'd you guys feel about that? 
I mean, that's uh, what you want to see, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> now nah, you got to go, bro. You're the guest. That's go. why I'm saying, like, that's why these losses, they don't really bother me. Right? And they shouldn't bother Knicks fans. Um, Tibbs wants to keep these guys running, keep them, uh, you know, warm for the, for the playoffs. Um, get them in a rhythm. Look at Grimes. Look at uh, Obi. Look at Quickly. Like, everyone is, everyone's doing pretty well right now, right? So I'm not going to really harp on the losses. Um I would have liked the wins, but I'm sure Tibbs would have liked the wins too. But listen, when's the last time we could say like we had the opportunity to sit out guys and not worry about a next game, right? So all things considered, um, I'm pretty confident going into the into the playoffs with these guys right now. Yeah. Um I, I pretty much feel the same. I'll probably give I'll, I'll probably sing my praises a bit more to the developmental side of basketball here. Um, just because springtime Obi Toppin is like in the Knicks pantheon of like conditional players who are just really, really good. Like Obi, when, when like it's springtime, he's up there with like hoodie mellow, like for sure. <laughs> um, and like, he's, he's just been killing it. And then like, I, I think uh, I, I forgot who I saw tweeting about it, but then I, I looked at some footage and they, they were talking about how uh, like just the difference in Obi's body and how limber he's become as opposed to how how like rigid of a player he was prior to um prior to joining the Knicks. So you know, just seeing that developmental side like come all the way through for the Knicks and just see like the good guys, you know, the good the good young guys starting to to really like find their legs under them. I think Emmanuel quickly will probably win a six man of the year award this year. If he doesn't, um I probably couldn't tell you who would. Um so again, just developmental you know, we we say like, hey, quickly could have a bigger role, but I, I think we've kind of found the perfect place. And uh, I'm not going to say he's in that Lou Will, t- Jamal Crawford type of air, but, you know, he's he's one of those guys who um, who like he people will always say he can be a starter. He can be a starter. He can be a starter. And then he starts and he plays good and he goes back to the bench and everyone's upset about it. But then he goes crazy off the bench and everyone's like, yeah, this is where he belongs. I, I think that'll be like Emmanuel Quickly's uh, career arc for the rest of his life because he's just that good. And um, yeah, so, you know, just big praises to, to Nick's developmental. Um, I like it. I barely watched these past three games in, in any in any capacity of saying, ah, we need a win. We need a win. Like. I think I bet like the Knicks over for 40 games when they signed Jalen Brunson and that hit. So like, that's all I really got. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like, uh, like, like you said, like these last three games, it was so awesome. Just having them on, like not clinging to the edge of my seat, like regardless of whether the lead changes or anything. And we know other teams like um, that are in the plan right now, trying to clinch those play seatings. They've been watching each, each one of these games, like the Pelicans team, they've been like, you know, trying to make sure they lock it in. So it's been nice to see that, but it's crazy to see the controversy that Emmanuel quickly has been bringing to NBA Twitter in general, that controversy mm-hmm. from like uh, being like a Knicks tr- controversial player to now like full NBA, because the Boston media decided, that uh, Brogdon not starting any games is the reason that he should win the the award. The fact that Emmanuel quickly started like what, like 17 games. That's the reason that he shouldn't be eligible for the award, which is a nonsense thought because 
players like Jamal Crawford, like the guys that you mentioned earlier, Lou Will, that's what they did. They started those games because in my in my opinion, that's what the, the role of a six man is. It's supposed to be that six person who takes over the role for a player when uh when when the starter one of the starters go out and Emmanuel quickly filled into that role trans like seamlessly without any sort of uh issue. So I feel like that that really shows that he has earned this award, but we did see a change in the betting odds after that Boston media push and uh Emmanuel quickly is is the second in favorite again now I don't know how strong Boston's pull is in the media but the conversation has been nuanced when I really feel as though it shouldn't be because Derek White has been that six man for um in terms of uh, uh coming off and starting for the Celtics but he's not getting any credit but Brogdon is just because he fully played as the sixth man, like he was the first person off the bench. And I, I don't know when the goalpost moved, but it's interesting to see the, the conversation with Emmanuel quickly in the, the regular NBA and see who knows ball or not. Like Damian Lillard has come out to say Emmanuel quickly is deserving of this, that, that spot. Like other guys have been praising Emmanuel quickly. So it's interesting to see that side of it. So yeah. this is going to sound crazy. Hold on. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Kenny Lofton Jr. Put up 42 and 14 versus OKC today. Oh, sheesh. Oh, wow. <laughs> sheesh. <laughs> oh, I mean, OKC locked in their thing. So they're, they're kind of like. Are they good in, in the 10th? I player? believe so. Yeah. I, yeah. I believe okay. so. But I mean, they won anyway. So yeah. yeah. Just no, seeing that was just like, like I'm making faces and shit. Like, <laughs> he was like, a, <laughs> yeah, like he was a G Leaguer yesterday. <laughs> literally a G league. Okay, cool. Um, sorry, Canal. Back to you, bro. <laughs> no, you're good, man. Listen, I was I was just joking. This is my uh my first time, so I'm making some you know rookie mistakes, just hopping in whenever. Mm-hmm. So it's all good. <laughs> but to piggyback off what you were saying, Faiz, um, it's like you know we always say, like, imagine if it was the Knicks. Imagine if it this only happens to the Knicks. But like in this case, it really does feel like it. Just, Suddenly it's a manual quickly and all of a sudden there's these new caveats and new rules that, well, no, this guy started uh, this many games. And the irony is, in, in my opinion, if you're telling me that Bogdan couldn't fill the starter role when their guards were out, that that just gives me more reason to believe quickly should win the award. You know what I'm saying? I'm with you. So, um, yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, if if Brunson is is genuinely in the most improved player talks, I don't think we're going to win too. There's no way. The media is not going to give us that in my opinion. So let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean, even with Laurie Marketing, like there's been such a big push because he's uh, he's averaging what he is uh, on the Jazz. But I've, I feel like people are forgetting that Laurie Marketing had these stats when he was uh, at, like earlier in his career. Like he had the same exact stats. We haven't seen like uh, him ramping up. Instead, we saw him go down because of uh, underutilization going to the Cavs and whatnot. But coming back to the Jazz, he's he's making he's able to get the minutes to to average what he was averaging before. So I don't really see that as like a most improved player. That's maybe like getting back to standard. That's like saying Randall's the most improved player this year because he came back to standard from what he was two years ago. But I'm with you. I think Jalen Brunson deserves that because we've been seeing Jalen Brunson improve. And I think there should be more of a nuanced conversation in terms of like he's improving from what in front of our eyes from being like a tentative star to more or less a solidified all-star and like leading a team. So he deserves some credit for that. And it's not really like just Nick's biased and saying like, Oh, I just want to get all the awards, but you know, I, I think uh, it, it would be fair to have some acknowledgement and praises from the national media for 
the guys who have been working so hard, especially two guards where this is unprecedented for the Knicks to have a starting point guard like Jalen Brunson and then a backup point guard who could literally play his role in Emmanuel quickly. So I, I don't know, man. Brogdon, like, I, it's so funny seeing Celtics fans so, like, stuck on this Brogdon thing. Like, bro, you just signed him. Th- this, like, you just traded for him or signed him over the offseason. It's not that serious. And on top of that, like, don't you guys have, like, championship aspirations or something? Y'all so concerned about the six man. Yo, you should be worried about the Bucks, bro. That's what y'all should be concerned about, like. Yeah. It's weird, man. Fan, fans go, anytime there's an award involved, it's like, um, it's a whole new playbook that's been a whole new rule book. And um, what's Brogdon gonna do with a six man award? Like, where does that even take him saying. next in his career? Like, but I will also say, like, it might be a blessing in disguise for, disguise for quickly to maybe not get that six man role because a lot of the times you do see players who get stuck in that six man role because of that award and like they become forever labeled as that six man guy, even though like yeah. guys like Lou Will, guys like Jamal Crawford, like that we mentioned earlier, they. They obviously could have started and been amazing players for other guys. So maybe it could be a blessing in disguise. I'm not. Yeah, we need we need our boy quick to beat the Lou Will allegations, man. All, all it took was one death, and for the rest, since then it's like, oh, he'll make a perfect six man. Like you see, you see a smaller, like undersized guard do a few crossovers and like a floater, and all of a sudden he's the same as every other six man or whoever came about. Like quickly's impact, and that's like that. I feel like that's why it's been the perfect test to see how much NBA you really watch this quickly and Brogdon conversation because a lot of the conversation around is. Brogdon's averaging more PPG, APG, you know, assists per game, points per game, blah, whatever per game. But like, that's that's just what you're just box score reading. Like, that's all you're reading. But if you're looking at the advanced stats, and you don't even have to be an advanced stats nerd. You could just do the eye test that a lot of people do. The impact that Emmanuel quickly has on the team is so much more meaningful. And I feel like that's part of what makes a six man. That's like the narrative. All that is what makes a six man. Like the fact that he's a, a great defender, the fact that he's running the offense as, as, the, as that guy. So... I don't know. But uh, I mean, instead of like just harping in on these awards, I also do want to uh, give credit to what Sid was talking about earlier in terms of Obi Toppin. We saw two 30 per- point for per- performances from Obi Toppin in the in the last three games, uh, both, I believe, against the Pacers. So, I mean, uh, besides that, you know, teams are definitely looking at Obi, but it's it's not just the fact that he was able to score and shoot at such a, a high percentage from three point. It's the fact that he was able to change the game in other ways. So you're seeing like six assists, five assists. Like I always knew that Obi had that in him in his Dayton days. We did see what it looked like when the offense revolved around him and how he was able to, you know, drive and kick, move the ball around. Like, but seeing it happen on the NBA level, I've been so impressed with Obi Toppin. Like it, it really does suck that Julius Randle ha- because of the Julius Randle uh, project and experiment that's happened over the last three years, we haven't really seen Obi able to shine like this until it comes to spring. But I don't know. It's given me this irrational confidence that we could see a guy like this regularly from Obi Toppin. Yeah. Like I said, Nick's developmental has just been phenomenal. Like they, they hit it out the park. I'm really happy with the front office for the first time in my life. I, Yeah. No crazy notes. to even That's say good. or think about, right? Yeah, no notes. They win. One thing I want to add is this: this you see this narrative floating around um, among Knicks fans that oh, Obi only does this well at the end of the season when, when games don't matter against bad teams. Listen, at some point, you got to acknowledge that if he can do this, given any given game where he's given more than six minutes at a time, um, maybe you're just pushing another narrative. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not easy. You don't see 
players come off the bench and, and be as productive and efficient as Obi has been, given his circumstances. So with Julius's injury, um, you know, you don't want to rush him back. You don't want to get him back and give him like 38 minutes a game right away, which will probably happen anyway. But um, this is like, uh, if, if this is our plan B, then I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. also like speaking on to the Julius uh, Randall injury, you know, he's going to be reevaluated this week right before the play-in game. Do you guys have any thoughts on uh, when we should be expecting uh, Julius Randall to play again? I know today we did see him all smiles with his family, all in Easter white, uh, a <laughs> courtside at the Knicks game. So without the walking boot, he, he seemed like all smiles, and that, that was a great sign. But uh, how do you guys feel? Do you guys think we'll see uh, Julius Randall in game one? Yeah. Yeah, there's no way he doesn't I, play. I'm on the other. I'm on the other side. I don't think we'll see him game one. I don't think they want to rush him back, but I don't think they'll wait till you know the third or fourth game either. So we might, we might, they might um, see how the first game goes in Cleveland, and if it's a bad game for us, then you know Tibbs is going to rush him back. But I don't know what the severity of the injury is. You know, Knicks don't really put out that kind of information. So let's see what happens because. Worst case scenario, he comes back because we injured again, and then we have we're out for uh, you know three four weeks. So I don't know. Right now, though, I'm pretty confident that uh, we could at least split the series in Cleveland. So if we could do that, then I don't think we should rush him back. Yeah. I mean, um, the the chances of him coming back for game two as opposed to game one, that's probably like, uh, I'm saying like he will come back between game one and two. Like it has to be one of those games. I don't think his debut is going to be at MSG. It's definitely going to be at one of those Cleveland games. You're definitely right about that. But uh, I, I would say that earlier, I would lean more towards what uh, Kunal was saying in terms of like, I don't think they're planning on rushing him back, but seeing him today without the walking boot is giving me that confidence to side with Sid and say that I think we should be expecting him game one because he rested for the two weeks uh, and we know Julius to be somewhat of an iron man who is able to play through a lot. So um, I, I don't know. I'm expecting to see him on, on the court for game one, but do you guys think that benefits us or, or, or harms us? I know it's a really like weird question to ask, especially because Julius Randle is the the level of player he is, but we've seen a, a different side of the Knicks offense since his absence. And I would say a, an offense that involves more of the players and maybe you don't know where the scoring might come from. How do you guys feel? I mean, my answer to that is I just don't know. And that's been my my idea, my um, take this whole season because I don't think Knicks fans that were like out on Julius or the ones that are in on Julius, we don't know what to expect with him in this playoff series. The last experience we had was, was horrible, right? So, and we've seen him have some um, breakdowns towards the end of the season. Can he handle the pressure? Can he... Uh, like mesh in like right after being out for two, three weeks. There's a lot of factors here to consider. So it's hard to answer. Um, Again, I'm an, I'm an optimist like Jalen Brunson and he, he runs an offense. The Knicks are running an offense. Um, I think I, it, it's just such a different team than what, two years ago. Yeah. Had to be two years ago, three years whatever year that was um yeah two years ago yeah it's just such a different team like same same guys different team different matchup um i I think the hawks were 
were strangely equipped really well to do to do whatever to deal with Julius Randle and um you know they just had a litany of of like wings and bigs and people that were mobile in a way that like I I just don't think the Knicks without a point guard were really equipped to handle or equipped to try to help him get open and so like yeah, I, I think it's just such a different team. Like, I, I think this team will will flourish and blossom in the playoffs more than we've seen since like Carmelo Anthony days. Like, I'm I'm outstandingly high on this team just because every single time I've had a criticism or every single time like something has come to question, not only has it been handled, but like it's it's been handled excellently. So, like I said. No notes. Like this was a really good season. I thought this was a really, really good season. Um, and I th- I think we'll flourish in the playoffs. Um, and sneakily, like an Eastern Conference Finals run could happen. Like, real sneakily. And it sounds crazy, it does, but yeah, this this team is built different. The team is built different. Yeah, I mean, we, we've been like alluding to it all season in terms of like talking about how this team is battle tested. They've seen uh, different opportunities for them to rise above the occasion, backs against the wall. And every single time they've more or less stepped up to the plate and, and played phenomenally. But um, uh, one of the things that you mentioned is something that I I, I have to agree with, with uh, uh, the Knicks offense and actually having an offense where a, a lot of people may see the Knicks plays play style and think that it's a lot of isolated play and a lot of iso ball. And that's what the naked eye might say. But even uh, the Cavs coach, uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, came out and said something about how um, – uh, defending the Knicks is that it's it's there. It may not be a lot of ball movement, and it may not seem like there's a lot of ball movement, but they're a very selfless team, and um, they're they're more like selfless without the ball movement. But they find ways to to kick and drive. They find ways to get other teammates involved, and that's why you see a lot of uh, you do see a lot of high scoring games from guys like Brunson and Randall. But you see a lot of tertiaries and uh, and uh, you know f- fourth players uh, scoring with uh, Quentin Grimes coming alive sometimes. RJ Barrett having a role getting those sneaky 20 points that Zach Lowe talked about on uh, Ian Begley's podcast. So um, I, I like what this, what this offense does have to, to, to give against the specific Cavs team. And to your point about making that sneaky Eastern conference finals run, we're seeing uh, reports on Chris Middleton still having issues with his, I want to say his knee. So if, if the Knicks are able to uh, overcome the Cavs in the first round and they're playing a team of the bucks without, um, without Chris Middleton, Anything is possible. It's it's the NBA, you know. You, you could if the Knicks stay healthy, they could definitely make that run that you're talking about. And I'm I'm excited to see what they have to offer. I don't really have anything uh, to disagree with there. Uh, I think the Cavs depth is their is their kryptonite, right? Right. Um, so, and, and to your point before, um, our you know credit to Tibbs, and I've been one of his biggest uh, critics this whole season, but our guys. They, they have a structure, they have a plan, they know what they want to do. And we're always making, for the most part, we're making the right reads, finding open guys. Um, and with the Cavs, uh, the, the big thing is going to be, especially with, with Allen and, and Mobley, it's like, you got to hit your shot. You got to hit your three-pointer. You know, if the, you can live or die by the three. And um, I could see uh, an Eastern Conference Finals run. You never know. These guys have surprised us all season, so... Yeah, and hopefully they keep 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 on surprising. Um, uh, 
with the season being over on this um one two one two run, um can you guys like give me like just a summary of your overall thoughts on the the end of this Knicks uh twenty two twenty three season? Uh, and all you go, you go first. All right. How do I say this, man? It's it's not you know how you know how any game in the NBA could be a game of runs. Our season was a season of runs. <laughs> like it was like nine game win streak, losing streak, five game win streak, losing streak. Um, but you know to to add to Sid's point from earlier, anytime these guys have uh, had any kind of adversity, they've surprised us. They've bounced back. Um, and I had to take a lot of L's this year on, on takes that I had and things that I thought we were doing wrong. Um, ultimately, I think that a lot of the things Tibbs did and, and this front office did with shortening the rotation, getting the young guys in, uh, it paid off. And we can argue here, should they have done it sooner or not? Maybe. I mean, I still think they could have last, se- last season, but I'm not going to complain. Like we got five guys on our roster that, um, are contributing to winning that we drafted, right? Then we've got Brunson, who, who's been playing phenomenally. Randall, who's been probably better at points this season than his, his uh, 2021 season. Um, Josh Hart has been amazing. Um, I don't have many things to complain about, you know? Like, I was, listen, I was the first one to say that Tiz, uh, the whole camera situation, sorry to mention his name, I know we should be past that, but I just don't see um, how anyone can look at what what they've done and say we're not in the best position that we've been in, in, in what, two decades going forward. We got so much flexibility, so many options. um, And if they want to wait for a star to fall in their lap, cool. But right now, we don't even need that, you know? What's the rush? So um, I think overall, if you you consider where we were last season, they cut their losses, they pivoted well, and they stuck to their guns, and it's, it's paying off. Yeah. Yeah. That about, that's that's about how I feel. Um, I think I've been more defensive of Leon Rose and World Wide West just because I'm a Kentucky guy. Like, those will always be like that. Those will always be like two guys I'll go to bat for. Um, yeah. Draft-wise – We've been doing phenomenally. Um, this year's draft, uh, I think it was done really well. I think the Mavs are a bunch of bitches. <laughs> um, I think Luca will be a Nick. Um, what was that final score today, Mavs Spurs? A lot to a little. <laughs> I just say, you know, in Space Jam, uh, where like. The shit looks like uh, where they're playing the game. It's like the game is a little one-sided, don't you think? Yeah, that's... that's 138-117 if you want the exact number. Ew, that's gross. It was like 42-14 at one point. Yeah, I mean, there's no way. There's no way Luca looks at the situation with... uh, uh, Mark Cuban going to the to the media and talking all about Jalen Brunson, one of his friends, and trying to basically get the shit to get the stench of shit to get off the Mavs and Mark Cuban uh, by blaming everyone else, including uh, an active father in, in Jalen Brunson's life and whatnot, trying to blame parenting and things for it. Uh, there's no way you look at that situation and the lack of improvement uh, from the Mavs and really think I want to stay here. And beyond all that, the Mavs are more or less like 
they've kind of like used up most of the resources and guy, getting guys like Christian Wood through the door, getting Kyrie and not really making any noise. And um, the Mavs are one of the teams to look at because they're, they're also one of the teams that are desperate to make moves and, and uh, try to keep this thing going. But I, if, if we could, if the Knicks could acquire Luka Doncic without Mark Cuban's ego, man, this, this could be, that could be a crazy team. Like just, just see. Oh yeah. No, as long as Mark Cuban's the owner. He, if Luke is getting out of there, it, it's after a contract because it's, yeah. he's not getting traded. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could no. see a trade happening, but no way it's with the Knicks. Like, Mark oh, yeah, is, nah, it's, it's, it's not yeah. going to be a trade that gets Luke to the Knicks. Yeah. Fuck no. Yeah. Like, so. he's what, a free agent in 2025? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that, that'll, a... that'll be, that'll be when it happens because, <laughs> buddy. Nah, he'll send him anywhere else. Let's be honest. To say he he'd send that boy back to Liberia if he had his way. <laughs> yeah, nah. He yeah, no. He he'd send him to Vinland. Like yeah, nah. He he'd send him to Norse country. He'd send him to where Ralph from Ed Ed Nettie is from. Like there's <laughs> there's Ralph no boy. way, bro. There's yeah. Oh, Mark Cuban's such a bitch. I hate him. Yeah, it's been a it's been a real sour look for him in the media. But you know, I. I'm what you said, if, if we're going to do the takeaways from the season, I think it's my takeaway is going to be that, or like my summary or thoughts on the end of the season is going to be in Leon Rose. We trust because uh, that Kemba move that he made last year, like I was super excited about it. And when we ended up falling flat on our face, what, what, what like realistically we should have putting all our eggs in the basket of a, a, a aging broken point guard was not the right move, but you know, seeing Leon do that and, at the beginning of the season, like Kunal said, we were a huge proponents of firing Tibbs and seeing T- uh, Leon Rose still stick by his, by his guy. I was real frustrated, but now seeing the results of it, I have to give him his flowers and respect because all the moves Leon made seem to be paying off right now. They're paying dividends, whether it be not making that Donovan Mitchell trade and being only a few games behind the Cavs, like being able to go toe to toe with them without getting rid of any of our assets in the process. Well, if anything, uh, what, what we're doing, what we should be doing, which is, um, like managing our assets and improving upon them, improving their value. And now all of a sudden where last year you're looking at a trade for a guy like Donovan Mitchell and saying, you, ha- you can't do this trade without Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin, like everyone has to be a part of it. Now, after this development that we've seen from Grimes and we've seen from IQ, we could possibly just package those two guys in like separate packages. Not to say we should be trading them, but I'm saying in terms of trade value and whatnot, the Knicks are in a much better position. And um, I, say, I'm if anyone hope- going, it's RJ. It has to be RJ. I think contract wise, I think everything wise, yeah. you're probably right. And RJ, he like sneakily still puts up those good stats. So like you know, yeah, if, like he, I I don't think he'll be like a star or anything like that. Like I I think he'll be good. Like his to me, his trajectory went from like Kawhi Leonard to Jimmy Butler to damn we. Well, we we tried, and yeah. it's not even like in a bad way. It's just like you know what. If he's just a a kind of okay two-way player, it sucks that he was the, thir- the third pick in the draft, but, like, that's what you're supposed to do. If he could end up, like, in an Andrew Wiggins type of role right now, I think yeah. we'd be more than happy with what we have, but... Yeah, like, that's... That might I- take a few years. Listen, at this point, if you're Leon Rose and looking at this roster, um, I mean, look at Quickly and Grimes. They're... They're basically playing RJ out, out of the rotation, in my opinion, right? And Josh Hart as well. 
yeah, that, yeah, that's that's what it looks like. Like, and it's and, not a bad thing. It's just, it's just like one of those things where we're like, you know what? We did what was there, and we have to pay for it. And they mm-hmm. paid for it. I don't think they overpaid for it, but you know, th- Look, that's the tax age, of a draft pick. Yeah, that's yeah, draft pick tax. He's not getting like uh, you know exorbitant salary. Um, it's it's a pretty what was it, hundred ten, something like that. Place. I think he's making like nineteen is, mil a year. Like a cool. It's, yeah, if you're another team, he's he's still young. He's tradable. Yeah, let's say he's I mean, like, I, what, I don't 22? want to trade him, but like, yeah, he's twenty two and. It's not. It's not like an albatross. You're not going to have a hard time if that's the route that they want to take and move him. And then you got to consider like they they still got Grimes on a rookie contract, so that looks more attractive. And if we're being honest, uh, the more we've seen Grimes in his last few games, uh, his ceiling looks. I don't even know, man. Like yeah, every, he, every, he looks every, like a good two way shooting guard. He he looks yeah, like a like really good two way shooting guard. We see more in his bag that we haven't seen yet, and and how is he going to get those touches? One of them mm-hmm. got to go. Yeah, so. yeah. And I, I think that the teams around the league are looking at situations like what happened with the Jazz and Laurie Markkinen, where you know maybe uh, Laurie Markkinen is not the sexiest piece to have in a, in terms of a big trade for a guy like Donovan Mitchell, but you know you put him on a team like the Jazz where he's the main guy. All of a sudden, he can he can make some moves and maybe like make a splash in the NBA or like a, a guy like Andrew Wiggins, who you know they're doing a straight up swap deal for Andrew Wiggins. Both of these guys are garbage piles who can get the the you know make the most out of it and. We we've seen it where like situational basketball, like another guy in another situation could look way different, and that it might be time for RJ with that. And it's not to really hate on him, but I'm saying like maybe RJ came into the league with a little bit too much in terms of like too much playing time, too much like nothing was really. I'm not saying that nothing was earned, but he didn't really have to fight for his spot on a roster or anything. He was always guaranteed starting minutes. He was always guaranteed that role, and maybe if he comes into question of what his role really is in the NBA and another team, we might see a different version of RJ. And, you know, I, teams like, and I'm not trying to say that Nick Ish or even me personally advocate for like a Dame trade, for example. But if I'm the Portland Trailblazers and I'm ready to move on from Dame, besides the picks, a player like RJ to pair alongside like Simons and free Simons or whatnot, like I'm, I'm going to give that a long, hard look. And I'm going to think about moving on from a, a superstar. And we're going to see more teams uh, leading towards that. Cause the Knicks also do have their picks to make something like that happen. And uh, I, I'm in full agreement with you guys. And I think to our point, like seeing what Leon Rose has done in terms of utilizing assets or even pushing assets to the next year. So we can get more first round picks out of it. I feel like, He's gonna make the right move when it comes to making this big swing trade. I'm 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 looking forward to it. Yeah. And yeah, like it's end of season. <laughs> this is an end of the season conversation. Like we're we're bored before the playoffs. We're writing Nick fan fiction right now. Like it's it's <laughs> like uh if, if we make the Eastern Conference Finals run, like Sid says, then then Dame might be on the table. So you know that's how it works. <laughs> like a, I mean, this is this is this is what you get from fans in between the playoffs when like you're not worried, right? And, you know, about <laughs> about <laughs> the last day of the season. Yeah, to be, uh, this is awesome. To let everyone see see how the 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 food is made and everything, like you know, we don't want to give too much previews on uh, on the 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 Cavs four or five, the Knicks Cavs four or five series. We're definitely gonna have that on a whole other pod. So you know, have a little bit of an entertaining conversation. But right. before we wrap up, I'm gonna ask you guys. 
one last entertaining conversation, a little food. Like, you know, we've seen this conversation go around on Nick's Twitter. Let's, and now that we have a full body of the regular season Knicks, let's take this season and that 2012 season, the last time the Knicks made an impactful um, uh, run in the playoffs, you know, losing to the Pacers in the second round. Who do you got in that series? If we're, if we're, if we're uh, putting these two, those two teams against each other in, in how many games? I got, I got this year. Uh, listen, we don't have a superstar, but that team didn't have depth. Uh, that team also had a 40 year old point guard. Like thing is, um, I think it would go towards, it would go, at le- it would probably go at least six, but I would get, I would say seven. Um, our guys would outlast them. I feel like. And um, yeah, you know, like I was saying earlier, I was saying earlier, like every time they've been down this season, they've come back. So I, I don't see any reason to believe they couldn't uh, bounce back in a series. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably go with, with this year's guys just, it feels like a more pronounced team. And then like this team can can exist through a superstar dropping like 40, which is dumb, but like whatever. You know, the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, earlier this season, if you had asked me, I probably would have leaned more towards the 2012 Knicks just because, you know, you have the guy in Carmelo Anthony. And besides that, like, you're even looking defensively at that team. Guys like Schumpert, guys like Tyson Chandler, Defensive Player of the Year, they're just, you know, do phenomenal. They're phenomenal in everything they do. But um, I'm with you guys now. I'm I'm more in agreement with you guys now because especially seeing the way Jalen Brunson and IQ have been playing, I think our guards would bury the guards on that team on the 2012 team into the, into the depths of hell. Like Raymond Felton was the starting point guard there. Pablo Prigioni, you know, God bless his soul. Love, love me some Prigioni, but you know, um, seeing guys like that, I think you guys are hundred percent right. Our, our team would be burying them into the, into the depths of hell. Yeah. Um, right, let me ask you a quick question. Uh, early this season, maybe like three, four weeks in um, on the podcast, you said, Jalen Brunson might be the best signing since and even including Melo. Do you still feel that way? Are you more so feeling that way? I mean, kind of have to, right? Like, oh, he's been playing better and better. (laughs) I don't know. It's hard to still put him over Melo just because we – playoff impact is important, but it won't take much for him to pass Melo if we're going to be honest. Like, like Brunson – in, in this season has had more 40 point games than he's had in his career, right? With the Dallas and that he wins one playoff series for us. We're good, but uh, yeah. Listen, that was, that was a little bit of a trick question because uh, the obvious answer is yes, you're right. That was a good take. <laughs> Try to trap me. You ain't going to get me, man. But um, I think uh, we're about ready to wrap up guys. Uh, Kunal, I really appreciate you coming on the episode, filling in for Mo. Uh, Mo, if you're listening, please don't do this to us again. <laughs> I don't like the behind-the-scenes stuff. Good luck to you. But um, appreciate everyone for listening in. Um, remember, if you guys want to cop any sort of apparel, come on to nick-ish.com. Um, thank you guys for listening, and we'll uh, see you guys in the playoffs. First round versus the Cavs. Peace. Oh, yeah, I was just throwing up gang signs just because I could.